We all on the heels of Christmas and our Christmas celebration, I wanted to tell you about this woman who took her 16-year-old daughter to the doctor. The doctor says, okay, Mrs. Jones, what seems to be her biggest problem? And the mother said, well, it's my daughter, Debbie. It seems that she's been getting these cravings. She's been getting these cravings and she's been putting on weight. And it seems like she's sick every morning. So the doctor gives Debbie a thorough exam and turns to the mother and says, Ma'am, I don't know how to tell you this, but Debbie's pregnant. About four months, I'd say. And the mother says, Pregnant? She can't be pregnant. My daughter hasn't never been around a man, never been left alone with a man. Have you, Debbie? No, Mama, I've never even kissed a man. Well, at that, the doctor walks over to the window and he just starts staring out into oblivion. Finally, Miss Jones says, is there something wrong out there, Doc? And the doctor replies, well, no, not really. It's just that the last time I've seen anything like this happen, there was this star in the east. And these wise men were coming over a hill. And I wasn't going to miss that this time, amen. Let me ask you a question. Do you have the courage to face the truth? Do you have the courage to face the truth? Sometimes we don't like what we hear in the truth. Sometimes we don't like what we see in the truth. We don't want it to be true, so what do we try to do? We try to ignore it. But that doesn't make the truth go away, does it? That's something that happened to a man in the Bible by the name of Nehemiah. And today, we're going to begin a sermon series through the book of Nehemiah entitled, God's Blueprint for Rebuilding His Church and Your Life. God's Blueprint for Rebuilding His Church and Your Life. You see, Nehemiah had to face the hard truth. The hard truth that God's nation and God's people were in serious need of rebuilding. But the question was, what is Nehemiah going to do about it? And I believe that that's the question before us today. When we realize that it's time for the church to be rebuilt when we realize that it's time for our lives to be rebuilt according to God's blueprint, what are we going to do about it? The setting of Nehemiah's story in the Bible occurs in 445 B.C., 450 years before the birth 
of Christ. And what we have in the book of Nehemiah basically is a 13 chapter book that is basically Nehemiah's journal. He's keeping a journal and he's doing it for our benefit. Nehemiah is a Jew. He believes in God and he's born in captivity in Persia and he's probably never been to Jerusalem, which is the city of God, the city of the Jews. And so he knows this. He knows that for the last 300 years, he knows that God's people have been captive to this nation or this enemy nation. And he knows that God's temple has been leveled. It's been destroyed. However, the temple of God has been rebuilt. But Nehemiah has been made aware of a new problem. Jerusalem, the city of God, which houses the temple of God, has no walls. It has no walls. And in verse 1 through 3, Nehemiah begins to outline the problem. On page 428, on the Bible, in the Bibles in front of you, in the book of Nehemiah, I want you to follow along with me. In Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, it came to pass in the month of Chislev in the 17th year that as I was in Shushan, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, The survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. You see, Nehemiah lived in the capital city of Persia named Shushan. Shushan was the most powerful place in the world at that time. And through his brother Hanani, Nehemiah gets some really bad news. Jerusalem's walls are flattened. The gates that once existed in the walls have been burned to ashes. Morale amongst the people of God is at its lowest ever. Because the temple of God in Jerusalem is unprotected. The new temple that's been rebuilt in Jerusalem is now in danger. So what is Nehemiah going to do? How is he going to react to hearing this need in Jerusalem? I mean, he lives thousands of miles away. And if he lives that far away, you know it's going to be very costly to do anything. And at the very least, we know that it's going to upset his apple cart. It's going to upset his very comfortable life uh, because he lived in the palace. But here's what he learns, and here's what he learns quickly. We must have the courage to respond to the truth. God's people must have the courage to respond to the truth. And Nehemiah shows us how. To respond to the truth. 
You know, as Christians, we often do things in a very worldly way. Think about it. We make plans, and then we celebrate how brilliant our plans are, and then we go to God and we ask Him to bless our plans. It's like we do it backwards. But here's the reality. We're standing in the midst of crumbling walls. We're standing in the midst of crumbling walls in the physical building and standing in the midst of crumbling walls perhaps in our spiritual lives. So let me ask you, are you living your life in a place with no walls? What do you mean by that, Bill? Well, if you're living your life with no walls, then that means that everything is getting in, but nothing is staying out. Are you hearing me, church? If you're living in a place with no walls, everything in the world is getting in, but you ain't keeping nothing out. Whether deliberately or inadvertently, there's nothing that's slowing down the way the world influences your life if you're living your life with no walls. And that tells us that, you know, we may not be as different from the world as we hoped we had been. Maybe we're a lot more like them. So, friend, is your temple the place where God resides? Is it protected? Is it protected? Today, in Nehemiah chapter 1, we're going to find three qualities. Three qualities that must be apparent if we're going to respond courageously to the truth and begin rebuilding for the next generation, for the future. Friend, I want you to know, more than anything today, that you were designed for more than just working and paying your bills. You were designed for more than just going to school and cleaning your room. Amen, boys? You're designed for more than that. God has placed you here for a purpose. And he's placed you here for a purpose. But the question is this. Will you fulfill your God-given purpose? I believe that Nehemiah shows us how we can fulfill our God-given purpose. So the first quality that we got to have if we're going to respond courageously to the truth and begin rebuilding for the future is that we're going to have to have a passion for the things of God. Listen to verse 4 in chapter 1 of Nehemiah. Nehemiah writes in his journal, he says, So it was. When I heard these words about the wall being broken down and the gates being burned, when I heard these words, I sat down and wept. And I mourned for many days. And I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. See, friend, as believers, we have to feel the need. We have to feel the need. This verse tells us that Nehemiah sat down and he wept. 
that Nehemiah mourned for many days about this flattened wall and these burned gates. And he's become emotionally engaged. He's become emotionally engaged in what was happening to the city of God and to the people of God who were living there. He has deliberately involved himself into what he viewed was a horrible state of affairs. And when Nehemiah involves himself emotionally, Nehemiah is broken hearted at what he finds. Can I tell you that that's exactly how I felt when I went down to the basement of this church last week? I went down there and not only was it moldy and cluttered and filthy, it was also heartbreaking to know how long I, we, had allowed that to continue. Now that's a message for another day. But I think I got a glimpse of what Nehemiah was feeling. You see, Nehemiah shows us that there is a danger to indifference. Did you know that indifference and apathy can happen even in churches? People can start caring less about what goes on in the church. In fact, as Christians, I believe that we are in grave danger. Grave danger. And the danger is not coming in from outside the church. It's coming from inside the church. We are becoming more and more comfortable. And the more and more comfortable we become, the more and more we lose sight of our God-given purpose. So frankly, we must not be content with our current state of affairs. When things aren't like they should be, when things aren't happening like they should be happening, when we're not living like we should be living, then that ought to break our heart. I can't speak for you, but I'm speaking for me today. My 2022 is going to be different. Things are going to get back to the way they should be for me. Because I want this year to be different for the glory of God. And you know, when our hearts get broken, like Nehemiah's was, it's often a very good thing. Because we know in Psalm 51 that God welcomes that, those that have a broken heart. He welcomes those who have a humble and contrite spirit. So a lot of times it's good news that we're heartbroken. And so that leads us to a second quality. It's got to be clear if we're going to respond courageously to the truth and begin rebuilding for the next generation in the future. And that is, we've got to become people of prayer. We'd like to think that we are people of prayer, but we need to become stronger 
more fervent people of prayer. Just listen to Nehemiah's journal beginning in verse 5. Nehemiah said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night. For the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you, both in my father's house and I have sinned against you. We've acted very corruptly against you. And we've not kept the commandments and the statutes and the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember, I pray the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying, if you're unfaithful, I'll scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast to the farthest parts of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling place for my name. Now these are your servants. These are your people whom you have redeemed with your great, great power and by your strong hand. Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayers of your servants who desire to fear your name. And let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. He was getting ready to go into King Artaxerxes, praying for mercy in the sight of that king. For I was the king's cup bearer. I was the king's cup bearer. You see, when we have passion for the things of God, we begin to see the needs. When we become people with passion for the things of God, we begin to feel the needs amongst God's people, and in God's house. So if we see the need, and then we feel the need, we can effectively share the need. And there's only one place to share the need. We have to go to God. We have to go to God and share that need. Now we all know that prayer is important, but do you also know that Nehemiah just didn't pray one and done. No, Nehemiah says that this prayer that we just read is actually a summary of a four-month-long prayer. Four months he's been praying this. Nehemiah prayed a lot. He prayed over and over and over again, time and time again. He repeatedly prayed. Why? Because, see, he knew the problem, but he didn't know the solution. How many times have you known the problem, but you didn't know what, either what the solution was or how to get to the solution? And so what happened? Nehemiah began to pray. And he prayed a lot. 
he prayed repeatedly. And that reminds me, you know what we have to do more than anything? Is we have to strive to keep God number one. We have to strive in 2022 to keep God first. This prayer reminds us of who God is. Nehemiah says, God is great. God is almighty. God is awesome. God is merciful. God is loving. God is attentive. God is forgiving. God is awesome. And God can do anything. Did you know that? Do you believe that? That God can do anything? Even through little uh, servants like us? Even through a small church in the cornfield like us? God can do anything, but before God acts, Nehemiah's prayer reminds us of something. Nehemiah's prayer reminds us that we have to recognize our weak spot. When we view God in light of his perfection and his holiness, you know what also happens? We also get an accurate view of ourselves. We get a good look in the mirror. And you know what we see when we look in the mirror? In light of God's holiness, we realize we're sinners. We're sinners individually, and we're sinners in a group of sinners. Nehemiah knows that in his own heart, he has sinned against God. He knows that he's just as guilty as the larger group of Israel. And as Nehemiah exposes his weak spot, with his heart and with his spirit broken, Nehemiah moves. Nehemiah begins to move in the right direction. And he shows us. He shows you and I that we are to rejoice in the promises of God. My friend, this book is filled with the promises of God for you, for your marriage, for your family, for this church, for our nation, for our lives. And we ought to rejoice in these promises. See, Nehemiah knew that God promised. God said, if Israel rebels and disobeys me, I'm going to allow their enemy neighbors to come and take them captive. And you know what happened? God did what God said he would do. And they became captive. But Nehemiah calls on God to remember the rest of his promise. The rest of his promise is this. God said, I will restore my people when they repent of their sins and return to me. Nehemiah asked God to remember the rest of his promise. Can I tell you? God is overjoyed. Overjoyed when you take his promises seriously. I want to give you one of the promises that the Son of God has given for Bethel Baptist Church. It's found in Matthew chapter 16. And I'm going to begin in verse 13. Because it describes a time when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, and he asked them saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? 
Who do they say I am? Well, the disciples said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, some say one of the prophets. But Jesus said to those disciples, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter immediately stepped up and he said, you are the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the Savior, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered Peter and said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hadn't revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. And here's what I say to you. You're Peter. And on this rock, on this truth that I am the Christ, I am the Messiah, I am the Savior, I am the Son of the living God, on this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus started building this church in 1909 and he ain't done yet. He, God promises that whatever he starts, he'll bring to completion. And God ain't done with Bethel Baptist Church yet. Strive to keep God first. Make sure that we recognize our weak spot and do something about it. Be sure that we rejoice in the promises of God. But then, friend, become a person of prayer. Become a person of prayer so that you can understand how God sees things, how you understand God's perspective, and so that you can start moving in God's direction. Because he's got something he wants you to be doing right here. I don't know what it is. But he does. And we should be seeking that. Seeking his divine purpose. Now on to the third quality that will help us to respond courageously to the truth and begin rebuilding the next generation for the future. And that is this. We must use our position as God's vessels. I want to reread verse 11. Nehemiah says, O Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayers of your servants. Those who desire to fear your name and let your servant prosper this day, I pray. Grant him mercy in the sight of this man, that king, for I was the king's cup bearer. Now, in this whole passage... Nehemiah only gives us two facts about himself. At the very beginning, he says, I'm the son of Hakaliah. And then at the very end of chapter 1, he says, I'm the cupbearer for the king. And what this tells us is this. Not only are we to have passion for the things of God, to see the need and to feel the need, not only are we to be people of prayer to share the need with God, But often, we're already in a position to meet the need. We're already in a position to meet the need. Think about this. Being the cupbearer for King Artaxerxes, the king of Persia, was no small position. In fact, it was a position of great responsibility for not only was Nehemiah responsible for tasting the food, of the king to make sure it didn't have no poison in it. 
Nehemiah was also the king's trusted advisor. But more important than all that, here's the most important thing that Nehemiah had going for him. Nehemiah had access to the king. Nehemiah had access to the king. Do you know that you have access to the king? To King Jesus? Anytime you wish. In fact, if you're walking a faithful Christian life, you guys are like that. Y'all are tight. You got access to the king. But although Nehemiah had this position, there's still something else that he had to learn. He had to learn that often we must wait for God-given opportunities. We must wait. You know, as American Christians, here's what we do. We do first and pray later. Amen? Don't say amen. We like to do first and then pray later. But here, Nehemiah says, pray first. Pray first. Let God do a work in your character. Let God build your character. Let God make you wait while you pray. Let God quiet your heart while you pray. Let God activate your faith while you pray. Friend, every one of us here today and every one of us listening online has this position of prayer. Anytime you want. Any place you want, you are in this position of prayer. We must use it. We must use that position to set our faith on fire and to receive our marching orders so that we can move ahead and begin doing God's will to rebuild for the next generation. So my question is this for you. In 2022... In 2022, are we ready to build for the future? You know, for Christians, whether you realize it or whether you don't, erosion is our constant battle. Erosion in the physical place of the church And erosion in the Christian life is our constant battle. Every one of us has that battle. Mortar comes loose and then a stone falls out. And as the mortar continues to erode, stones fall out one after another, after another, after another. You compromise one thing about your Christian life, then it ain't long before you just compromise another and another and another. And that should serve as a lesson to us, not only in the physical building, but also in our spiritual lives. We should strive to finish well. We should strive to finish well. Many Christians start well, but they finish well. Poorly. Many churches, they start great. They even grow. And then they begin to fade. 
over time. And here's the reason that we don't finish well. The reason we don't finish well is because often we settle into a comfort zone. We settle into punching a clock on a Sunday morning. Not looking for any of the other ample opportunities that we have to serve God throughout the week or in the church. Another reason we don't finish well is because we often operate in survival mode. Not looking to grow, not looking to move forward. Man, we're just looking to keep the status quo. Just maintain. Maintain what we got. Another reason we don't finish well is because many times God's people start avoiding taking chances. Sometimes you got to take a chance. Sometimes you got to try the difficult. Well, I don't want my life to finish poorly. And I certainly don't want our church to fade in the race either. So let me ask another question. Do we have the courage to build again? Do we have the courage to build again? I mentioned earlier that God calls on us to live with purpose, not just live. To live with purpose. He calls us to live courageously. And I believe that God is looking for people who are not clinging to this world, but who want to build the next generation of believers to live effectively for Jesus Christ. I pray that we will become people in 2022. I pray we will become people who want to see God's agenda fulfilled in the next generation before Jesus Christ catches us up to be where he is in the air. I pray that we will become people who long for it so much that they're willing to try anything even if it looks impossible. They long for it so much that they'll attempt what seems to be ridiculous. They long to do something so much that they'll attempt something that seems way out of the comfort zone, way outside the box. And I pray that we do it not only for ourselves, but for the glory of God and the next generation. children in our midst, youth in our midst. Many more are listening. We're here for them. We're here to prepare them to face the next generation. And I pray that we'll become God's people with holy ambition. Do we have holy ambition There was one prophet who was speaking to a king in 2 Chronicles. It's not 19.9, but it's 16.9, but you can make that correction. And here's what that prophet said to the king. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart 
is loyal to him. Is your heart loyal to God? That's holy ambition. And that's the kind of person that Nehemiah was. Nehemiah's heart was completely devoted to God. He was completely dedicated to the Lord. His heart completely belonged to God. And because it did, Nehemiah had the courage to respond to the truth and begin rebuilding for the next generation in the future. And you know, each one of us here today have met somebody like a Nehemiah. If you're a believer, there was a time in your life when you were affected by somebody who is completely God's. If you're a believer, there was a day in your life when you were affected by somebody who is absolutely, completely devoted to God. You see, God builds His church with such people. They're people that know they can't change everything, but they can change something. And they're out to do that for the glory of God. They're people who have the courage to face the truth. The courage to respond to the truth. The courage to be fully committed to God's purpose, not only in their own life, but in the church family that they belong to. Does that describe you? A person who is completely God's? If it didn't last year, I want you to know that it can this year. Are you completely God's? Friend, let's be courageous. Let's respond to the truth with passion for the things of God. In this new year, let's let God's heart touch our heart. And give us the passion of God. Let's live courageously. Let's respond to the truth. And become people of prayer. Willing to go to God. Willing to keep Him first. To share our needs with Him. And ultimately to lean on His powerful promises. We're His family. We're His kids. We're his servants, and we're his instruments. In 2022, let's be courageous. Let's respond to the truth that with our position as servants of the Lord, if we have just a little bit of holy ambition, we can fulfill God's agenda for the next generation. I pray that this word, has found a lodging place in your heart like it has mine this week. You know, Jesus is coming again. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Jesus is coming again, and 
I happen to believe that it's going to be sooner rather than later. But of course, we don't know the days or the times or the seasons. But my question for you is this. Will he find you responding to the truth of God? Will he find you faithfully building the future of the next generation? Because we don't know when he's coming back, we have to be faithful day in and day out, building the next generation to walk faithfully with Jesus. Now before you can do that, you've got to know Jesus yourself. And in this decision time, it's an opportunity for you to proclaim your faith in Christ and Christ alone for salvation and to fulfill your God-given purpose for the rest of your days. Church, God's got a purpose for us. And He wants us to respond to the truth in our lives and in the church. When He comes back, Let him find us faithfully doing just that. Let me pray with you.